mold breakers, trailblazers, and takers of roads less traveled. And we're here to tell their stories. Here's your host, Andrew Lawrence. Not all of us look the way the world expects us to look, think as the world expects us to think, or arrive at our destination the way the world expects us to. On the Square Peg Podcast, we give a voice to mold breakers, trailblazers, and takers of roads less traveled. I'm your host, Andrew Lawrence, and here are their stories. Thank you to the Searchlight Needles for getting us started as always. The hashtag needles aren't just a quartet of middle-aged, overweight, and balding El Pasos. Robert Martinez, Josh Smith, Adrian Ortiz, and David Science are four really fantastic guys who hold down jobs and take care of families during the week, and they rock out on weekends. You can find them on the web, www.searchlightneedles.com. You can find them on Facebook, and you can download their album on all streaming services. That's right. We have sponsors now. Lorenzo's Italian Restaurant has been a part of the Las Cruces community for over 25 years, supporting schools, shelters, and veterans. Even during COVID times, Lorenzo's is offering patio tent dining, delivery, curbside pickup, chow now online, and mobile app ordering. Now offering customers any signature or two-topping pizza for only $15. There's only one Lorenzo's in town, and it's at 1753 East University in Pan Am Plaza. You can call 575-521-3505. And ladies and gentlemen, just a little bit of ad lib here. If you've never had uh, Lorenzo's Meatball, you've never had a Lorenzo's Meatball. By the way, dip their bread in some of the oil with a little bit of salt, a little bit of Parmesan. You will not be disappointed, I guarantee you. My guests today are a duo of gentlemen from Las Cruces, New Mexico, who make up high-grade health, a local health, wellness, and personal training business um, locally here in Las Cruces. They're taking a different angle. They're not here to pump you up necessarily like Hans and Franz, but they're here to help you stay healthy, keep fit, and have fun in the process. Judah Archuleta and Bobby Jaramillo, welcome to the Square Peg Podcast. Judah, you're uh, a native of Las Cruces. Uh, your family's been here for how long? Yes, my uh, yeah, my grandparents are from here. Uh, my parents grew up here, uh, and then I've been here my whole life. Then you've never lived anywhere else. Uh, I've dabbled in a few places, man. Uh, in dabbled. Twenties. Yeah, uh, I, I moved to Denver. I lived there for a couple months. I was DJing in the uh, the clubs for about four years, and so I played in El Paso. I played here in town, and then I also played in Denver at a at a club there. This I didn't know. What is your, uh, what are your house, techno? Dude, it was, so I guess depending on the club, like in El Paso, for instance, it was a Latin club, and we played Latin music. I don't even speak Spanish, but <laughs> I was working with a partner then. Um, uh, I think he's still on Hot 103. It's DJ Fat Tony. I don't know if he's still there. I haven't listened to the radio in, in forever. But, yes, he spoke Spanish, and he kind of set the whole thing up. But, yeah, man, they liked me so much, they would call me back by myself and I was I was scared as hell because I didn't speak any Spanish and the the club owner she was like you don't need to know Spanish man. you just need we like the way you play we like the, the music you play uh, and we just want you to, want to have you back so we would just play like kind of like a it, it was a, a club to go dance so any person that showed up there was actually there to dance not to kind of like mingle or meet people that was also it they were getting drinks and stuff but like uh, bachata or cumbias they're actually doing the the dances uh in in the club and then they're picking different partners um they would even have a class on like wednesday nights where i would still go dj 
and then they, they would there would be a dance instructor there, and then they would be teaching everybody the dances. But uh, and then I got set up with a club in Denver uh, because I one of uh, the the people I grew up with here uh, when I went to Onyate, um, which isn't Onyate anymore. Um, Oregon Mountain High School or something. Mountain High School, yeah. Um, Cancel culture. Yeah, that's that's bad. Um, so yeah, I got hooked up there, and then uh, I was there for a couple months, and then I had a falling out with the people that I went up there for or with, and then I had to come back. And so uh, yeah, I I was making very poor decisions as a DJ, and that's what led me to my fitness. We mentioned before that you know. There are a lot of people who are personal trainers, and you guys are, I mean, you guys are quite a bit younger than I am. Judy, in your late 20s. Bobby, you're a little bit older than that. Um, yeah, I mean, you guys are, but you guys are good size, fit, muscular guys. You know, I think the the most obvious or the easiest path would be, hey, come train with me. I'll make you big. I'll make you strong. Uh, if you're an athlete, I'll help you get that scholarship. But Judah, that's not what you guys are. And you and I talked, I came out, looked at, you know, came over to your place and looked at your facility and uh, you said, look, I'll train athletes, but that's not why we do what we do. I I don't want to use the term or is, is the term holistic really appropriate to what you're doing or is there a better term? Where did you get the idea to do this kind of whole health, whole wellness um, angle or motivation for your fitness goals and as a, as a trainer, as a business owner? And, and ultimately for the end user, your clients? I think it's just because people want to learn, man. Honestly, um, they don't come in with the level of understanding of, like, that I have. And, and to me, these things are easy. They're very simple, and it's second nature at this point for myself. But for someone who's never done this, it's uh, confusing. It's overwhelming. The first session, they, it's very hard. It's, um, for them, they're scared to, to even come to the session because they think they're going to get killed at the workout right, um, that it's going to be the hardest thing they've ever done. But that's not necessarily what we're trying to show people, that fitness doesn't have to be like that. Um, it is a big part of health, and it keeps you healthy. It keeps you strong. But you, when you come in or when I get a new client, we want to teach them the fundamentals, right? And, and just a warm-up is going to be difficult for this person because they haven't done anything in years. And that's okay. This is most people. They didn't grow up in the, the life that m- me or Bobby grew up in where we're just, we have coaches that are telling us these positive messages our whole life, trying to pump us up and, or trying to pump us up to be more disciplined and dedicated. But these people that come to see me, man, they've never had this type of experience. And so for them, they just want to learn the basics. And that's, they, they just want support also. That's a big part of our business is, yes, you're going to come and work out and we use scientific-based knowledge to help you, but we're just a support system. We're going to teach you what we know, and we're going to explain it on a down-to-earth level. We don't want to. We want to take the science out of it. We want to make it at like a third-grade level. So, if we were explaining this to a kid, right, it's easily understandable. Um, but we're using science and, and medicine-based knowledge to to work with these individuals, so that way they're safe. The the knowledge we learn in when we're getting our certifications teaches us that the fundamentals are first. And, and other things, we're working on basic habit changes, um, not really dabbling into the specifics or getting into the specifics too much because it's already confusing for this person. That person won't be ready for, for that type of knowledge until they start practicing and understanding it. It's like when you start a new job. You, you don't know what the hell's going on at first, but after a couple of weeks, you know exactly what to do. 
Now, I know that uh, a big part of what you guys do, uh, again, when I talk about this kind of whole health approach, uh, nutrition uh, is probably a big part of, of what you do. Uh, I would imagine there's some sort of supplementation. But one thing I didn't see that was actually kind of pleasing uh, or kind of kind of nice to see is that even though you take that approach, when I came to your facility, I didn't see a bunch of, uh, and I know Onnit does this actually, but because they have a, a line of supplements, what I didn't see is a bunch of vitamin bottles uh, in your in your gym. Um, how do you balance taking that kind of whole health approach and making your clients aware that their health, uh, what they do outside of the gym is just as important as what they do inside of the gym. How do you get that point across without pushing the whole buy my line of, of products and buy my supplements and buy all that stuff? Uh, how do you approach that? The supplements help, but some people rely on them and they, they stick to them. Like they, they think the science is 100% and that these supplements are going to work. Um, and of course, the, the fitness industry like GNC makes it, there, there's a bunch of supplements that aren't regulated by the FDA. And so they're saying this, this stuff on the label that it's going to get you this results or whatever, these fat burners that people believe in. Um, they're actually, they don't, they don't really work. Uh, and the reason they don't work is because people aren't actually changing their habits. They're relying on the supplement to do the job. But it's, you can get everything from nutrition. And so we really focus on people's food or their daily habits around food as opposed to teaching them about supplementation. Because, again, they're very confused, uh, especially when one doctor is saying to eat more fat, one doctor is saying to eat less fat. Uh, it's very confusing for the regular person who doesn't know anything about this stuff. So supplementation, it's kind of an extra thing. Like, you, again, you should worry about when you're a year into this stuff. But you should really focus on your food because you can get all the nutrition or all the nutrients that are in the supplements from your food. So that's what we try to teach people. We're finding what junk foods they're eating, and then we're removing those first. Because typically, that's the issue. It's not necessarily, you know, the food. Well, they're they're not eating whole foods. They're just eating junk food. But once we remove that, people start to feel a lot better. So that's really the main focus. We don't really push supplements because it they don't matter in some sense. It's mostly for performance, like athletic performance, right? Recovery, or if you're trying to do a competition, um, whatever. You're trying to lift more weight. Yeah, a supplement will help in that regard, but for weight loss or just general health, you can get that through sleep, good nutrition, drinking lots of water, exercising. Those basic habits right there are a recipe for success. You know, it's interesting that we're talking about this because I just read an article, and it's actually, it's not recent. It's from like from 2013, but it was from the Toronto Globe and Mail. And what I was looking at is, um, you know, we talk a lot about, uh, one of the things we talked a lot about in the United States last you know, 30 years or so is uh, the the move towards or the the idea that uh, we should move towards a universal health care uh, program. And, you know, it was explained to you guys, my wife's Canadian. We may live there. Um, I have a sister-in-law who's a, a into broadcasting journalism, an activist, sometimes political, you know, candidate. And she uh, is very knowledgeable on their system. And she's pointed out two things to me that I have kind of used when I discuss this with people is that Canada actually has a longer life expectancy and they spend less per capita on healthcare. Um, and, and I was wanted to look more into that. So last night I just was doing some quick Google searches and the study that the, whoever it was that at the Toronto star who was doing our Globe and mail um, was saying that one of the reasons that they have this longer life expectancy 
is they're not just addressing things like healthcare, but they address things like social inequality and early childhood education and things like that. So they're kind of looking at the whole, it's not just what you do for the individual with respect to what they're putting in their body and, and how they're being treated in doctor's offices, but all of the other things. I just kind of had that thought as you were talking about taking this whole health approach. Now I see you, um, the videos you post of yourself working out, Judah, you do a lot of, uh, a lot of traditional lifts. I mean, I see you doing squats, maybe some Olympic lifts. Now, Bobby, at the Onnit Academy, you and I were just talking about this. Um, I had my first shoulder injury when I was 15. Uh, I tore the cartilage out of it playing football. I had it fixed. I tore it out again. And then I, you know, the doctor said, yeah, you can lift, just don't lift heavy. And what did I do? I spent the next five years lifting as heavy as I possibly could. Um, I've had shoulder problems for years, you know, over 30 years. Uh, just in the last five years, you know, I've been to the, a very good relationship with my orthopedic surgeon. Um, I've got the bone spurs, the early ortho or, you know, arthritis and the, the, the micro tears and the, the, um, uh, rotator cuff. And so I've, I've spent a good bit of my life, uh, waking up in the middle of the night, not necessarily because of the shoulder pain, but not being able to go back to sleep because of it. And I'll go two weeks at a time where that's a real problem. And then it kind of goes away about a year ago when, I decided I was going to stop going to my gym before the governor shut everything down. By chance, a friend of mine posted a picture of a steel mace and an Indian club. And I'd been getting more interested the last, I don't know, decade or so in functional training and functional fitness. And um, I figured, you know, I've been doing the same, the bench presses and the curls and the lap and all the same exercises for 30 years and working my joints the same way. I've been using mace and clubs for about 70% of my air quotes, weightlifting or, or, or strength training for almost exactly a year now. And I would say it, it didn't happen right away. The last six months, my shoulders have never felt better. And this is a very new feeling for me. It is a very new feeling for me. It is, it's been a thorn in my side and literally has kept me up at night for years and um, through surgeries. And I have a very good relationship with my pain management doctor. Uh, yes, I do take pain. I take prescription pain drugs on a regular basis uh, because it's not just the shoulder stuff I got going on. But, um, I'm really interested in talk, chat me up about what it is about the, the on it system, the Indian clubs, the mace, the, the, and all of the other stuff you do. You were talking last night. I just said, you guys had a class last night about using tennis balls and stretching and things like that. T tell me about the on it philosophy and, and on, on physical training and body restoration and health that helps keep people, people feeling better. Like I am. Yeah. Okay. Uh, real quick on your stuff on healthcare. So in the United States, I think, we, what we call healthcare is actually sick care, right? Like I said, what we call healthcare is actually sick care. Um, uh, I think a lot of people, there's a lot of things like their nutrition. You, and then going back to supplements, you can't out-supplement poor nutrition, poor recovery, and not working out. There's not a supplement in the world that's going to change that at all, right? And so, again, that's a, that's a whole other um, uh, conversation. But to go on what you were talking about, um, I was just like you when I was in the police department. Um, and when I, my last probably like four years, I discovered on it in about 2014. And at about that time, I had just been promoted, uh, but my body was taking a toll, right? So in my rookie year, I crashed a police car. Uh, you crashed a few of those, haven't I you? I crashed a few, but I really crashed this police car. Uh, uh, December 26, 2006. Uh, I was forever, from that day on, forever known as Ricky Bobby in the, in the department because I rolled the car. Uh, my FTO's car, it was Shadowface. 
um, but I crashed into a light pole right in front of the plumbers union right there on 70 uh, and it smashed me I got a concussion off of that bad shoulder injury off of that uh, and then during defensive tactics I jacked my hip up and I never recovered off of that and the doctor when I went to the doctor for that was like oh it's just you know a little inflammation here's an anti-inflammatory and a painkiller and there was nothing like oh yeah we'll do this to to, to fix it you know it's just here to suppress the pain you know? uh, treat the symptoms yeah exactly right let's not treat what's actually going on just you know oh you're in a little bit of pain here's a oxy um and then uh in 2000 i think 12 2013 our friendly uh fireman versus police officer flag football game uh you tore your acl right no no, no i broke you... my foot okay uh some, who was who tore their ACL? that game uh it was barrientos some yeah there was Johnny. like yeah, yeah, there yeah. were a lot of injuries, and that's exactly I tell the guys. <laughs> you do not see me doing the flag football stuff. I don't do the pickup yeah. basketball for that exact yeah. reason. I've had three orthopedic surgeries in the last seven years, yeah, and only one of them was from an actual police related. Not even not well, not work related, but it was, it was from an actual the, the, the knee was from the jujitsu tournament. Yeah, but I mean, I had my my ulnar nerve released in my left elbow just because it was giving me problems. And what the hell else did I have? Well, I had the the back surgery, but and that was kind of an injury. But I mean. That's not even doing stupid shit like, yeah, like playing, playing flag, flag football, football and you know things like that. Where very which actually easy. is like playing rugby because it just gets so uh, it's so intense. Well, when you're in your 30s and 40s and you're running and trying to stop and cut, the chances of tearing an ACL. I was still are, in my 20s at that time. <laughs> well, but yeah. So anyway, but not yeah, to get so, off track, but yeah. You're, yeah, you're doing things to get yourself injured. Yeah. So I, my whole left side of my body was wrecked, right, and I was just like you. Like the last four years, I was in chronic. I wanted to be active. I wanted to work out, but I was just in so much pain all the time that I just couldn't do it. And then when I finally was able to go work out, I would do something and then jack myself up and couldn't work out for weeks again, right? Um, so, yeah, man, I was just in a horrible spot. I was chronic, it was chronic pain. I was dealing with, like, anxiety, some depression, horrible sleep patterns, over-caffeination, bad gut microbiome. Uh, by the way, a lot of side, a lot of byproducts of shift work. Oh, absolutely. Shift work, not knowing when you're going to get a chance to eat, not what knowing when you get a chance eat. to sleep, yeah. and what you exactly. And this, so those are all byproducts of that oh. lifestyle. Oh, absolutely, one hundred percent. Hormonal imbalances because of the shift work. I, I spent eleven of my twelve years on graveyard. All right, I, I loved it. Don't get me wrong, but the toll was just. I did. I did that for eleven years. Yeah, you know. Um, and uh. Yeah, and so that's when I came to that realization. I was like, man, I got to really just do something, right? And traditional, conventional working out, squatting, not that there's anything wrong with that. There's, it serves a purpose, and there's a time and a place for it, 100%. I, I started doing it again. But what we don't take into account, what a lot of people don't take into account, is that, um, the conventional mindset is that we treat the body as pulleys and levers, Right? Bicep curls, arm lowers. Isolate everything. That's it, right? When it's not that, right? And I've been diving deep into this, right? So I'm not sure if you're uh, familiar with like functional, functional F, F, FRC, functional range control, and like pails and rails, progressive isolation, isometrics. Yeah, they're terms that I've heard, but I they're terms that I've heard. Yeah, and so uh, what a lot of the people at on it and the people they teamed up with looked at the body as a whole, right? And they said, what we need to do is stop treating the body as this this lever system, pulleys and levers and this and that, and treat it as, as an integrated system because everything is, is attached, 
um, and then uh, releasing and creating resiliency in the soft tissues, in your joints, in your musculature, right, in your in your fascial tissue, which fascia covers everything, right, and if that's tight and tense, and what you tend to be because we're always sitting at a police uh, a police car, where you're sitting, you're always load bearing because for 10, 12, 15, 20 hours a day, you're wearing 30 plus pounds of gear, right? So you're always load bearing. Uh, so you're putting these weird situations and your body takes a toll. And so going on in durability, right? It's a class where we take the human body and the human structure and we try to, try to refigure it. Right? We take all those tight, tense spots and show people like, hey, we can release this. You don't necessarily need to go to a masseuse. I go to a masseuse occasionally, like probably like once a quarter. I just made an appointment with my therapist on Tuesday afternoon. Yeah, they're, they're, they're great, but you don't need to spend $70, $100 every month. Is this where the tennis balls come in? Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's talk, tennis, Let's talk about the tennis balls. So the tennis balls, <laughs> uh, the tennis ball is a great tool, man. Um, uh, I start everything at the bottom of the foot. Right? That's, a, that's a, the linkage of the kinetic chain from the bottom of the foot to the top of the head, that back chain of, of fascial tissue. Um, if your feet are, and I used to have really bad flat feet, like really bad, and that was because I wore our shitty uh, work boots, right? The best boots I wore were probably Solomon's, um, which were still keeping your feet really tight and narrow and not letting your feet expand, right? And so these tennis balls, what you do is you're just compressing the ball and trying to grab the ball with your with your toes and then just moving it up and down that those lines of muscle and uh, tendons on your foot. And trying to release that, uh, and that relieves so much problems. Just doing that, really, yeah. And uh, uh, I do that every morning before I wake, or once I wake up, and then every night before I go to bed, just to kind of relieve. And again, it's just it's think of doing this kind of stuff as a as like a little savings account. Right? You're, you're putting ten bucks away here, five bucks away here, you know? and it's just doing these little micro actions that lead to huge difference. I like the analogy. It's funny you're talking about this with starting at the bottom of foot and the type of boots that you're wearing, because one of our sponsors uh, of this show actually is my friend, Henry Solman Delos, who's been making my custom insoles for my shoes since 2006. Uh, he does it for my athletic shoes, my work boots, um, my dress shoes. And, you know, it, it costs a few dollars. But for somebody like me who has flat feet and I pronate, uh, it's actually caused me problems. I started dealing with shin splints when I was 14 and the orthopedist first just gave me, told me, go get the, the, the ones from Dr. Scholl's. You just get out of the, the drugstore or whatever. And I wore those for years. And then in my, uh, you know, 22, 23, I started having really, really, really bad problems. We did troubleshot everything. It ended up, I had, I had something called chronic compartment syndrome. Um, whereas, you know, he taught, that's the first time I heard, heard the word fascia. Um, the fascia that goes around my calf muscles uh, for some reason was either too small or my, I don't have big calves. But when I would become physically active, the pressure would be too great. And so he, he does this test where, where he has me run on a treadmill for five, ten minutes, and he sticks this thing about the width of a pencil into my leg and to measure the pressure in there. And the pressure was like three times what it was supposed to be. So if you ever see me in shorts, I've got an eight-inch long scar on the, on the inside of each shin. I had to actually have both of those released. But that was the end product of all these years of trying to troubleshoot, and I also have custom-made orthotics. And so you're going to hear an ad when you listen to this episode for Henry Soulman Veloz, but you got me thinking about that. Now, Judah, we talked before and you're doing something that I think that would 
probably do wonders for and make a world of difference for people who don't feel like they can afford personal training. And that is you're trying to get the insurance companies, you're trying to bring a doctor on board with high grade health so that, um, not just so that you can get referrals and be able to bill insurance, but also as part of this kind of like whole health approach. Talk to me about how you came to see the need for a medical doctor as to be part of your team and what you're doing to try to make that happen. Well, we know that insurance covers a lot um, when people have like high blood pressure or diabetes or something. Uh, insurance is going to cover like a medication. So the whole idea was to treat exercise or a, a fitness coach, just a coach, whether that be a nutrition coach or, or a fitness or a, an exercise coach, um, that the insurance would cover it. And I know in some cases insurance will cover um, uh, like an actual dietitian. Like you can go, you can ask your doctor to go see a dietitian or refer you to a dietitian. Um, but yes, we want again for it to be for the exercise space as well, where we have these fitness coaches that are considered healthcare workers, where we're supporting that whole system and trying to get people healthier so they don't have to rely on the healthcare system and, and we're not spending tons of money on these sick people because they're making bad decisions still and they're just taking medication to kind of cover or, or put a Band-Aid on it, basically. So you've actually seen places where they have, I mean, this is not an idea that you just came up with. Yeah, no, I, um, and, and that's the crazy thing about on it is that I came across these people in the sauna at the gym, right? You're just kind of you know, hanging out. With other dudes yeah. in the steam room, like yeah. just. I mean, totally. Normal. Just in, right. Never um, mind. <laughs> that's how I like to spend my Sundays, actually. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I met this uh, one girl who was in there. And um, this guy, he's a big podcaster. Uh, she was there hanging out with uh, Aaron Alexander, I think. Um, I think that's his name. I can't remember. Uh, I just wasn't really interested in it. Just putting out whatever. And she said that her husband was there treating uh, Aubrey Marcus, who is the founder of On It, and Kyle Kingsbury, a buddy of mine. The director of human optimization and on it now he does his own thing. Um, and she was telling me about like what he did. He was a big rugby player, suffered a lot of the same stuff that I had, and he was a chiropractor. And so she's like, "You guys should meet and chat." And so we talked, and like, "Oh man, this is pretty cool." Like we have very similar visions. Uh, and then we started chatting of like, "Hey man, what if we opened a facility where like you treat people this way, and then I treat people with." unconventional and conventional methods in strength and conditioning because I'm also working towards my NSCA TSAC, which is the tactical strength conditioning facilitator. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, so we started chatting about it and then that's when I started doing the research of seeing these facilities pop up. And on it had a has a uh, partnership with a company called Exos, um, uh, which is a big uh, company out of Scottsdale. Scottsdale or Phoenix, one of those it's all mashed together, but they do do a lot of work with high-end uh, athletes to get them primed and optimized. Uh, and so, uh, Exos has uh, physical therapists on staff and stuff like that. And so, on it had that relationship. And I was like, well, why don't we just all put them in a in the same building and kind of go? So that's where we're at right now. Yeah, it and and it's weird the things that the wheels start turning in my head because Judah and I had this conversation a couple of weeks ago, and um, I I end up I ended up you know getting him in contact or getting some contact information for him for somebody who came to mind, 
Um, you know, I have a friend who I roll with, uh, who's one of the one of the professors over there now, and he's a medical doctor. He's actually an emergency medicine. Uh, he's an emergency room doctor, but he does his kind of the kind of age management thing on the. He calls it age management. Um, uh, and he helps me out with a lot of stuff that's helping me, um, you know, kind of fight the aging battle and, and performance and stuff. But, uh, and he first kind of started, I think he first started doing it because there was a local spa, uh, day spa that needed a medical director, because I think some of the stuff they do, whether they do Botox or collagen injections or something like that, they have to have an MD basically to oversee at least officially. And that's kind of how he got into it and then kind of branched into doing his own thing. And um, I really like that idea. Uh, Judah, take me through your average, if you can say there's an average client, what you're doing, um, are you doing things on it? Are you planning out? Do you have yearly goals, quarterly goals? Um, what does a workout look like? Yeah, so when they come in, we find out their goals first thing. So we're, we're training the way they want. We're trying to achieve what they actually want. I'm not going to give someone box jumps if they have no goal of being able to jump higher or, or wanting to do box jumps. I, right now, currently, I have a pregnant woman. She's in her second trimester, and she wants to do box jumps. Like She actually she enjoys that type of stuff. So we, we go over their goals at the beginning. We see what they want, and then I teach them how to get there through the fundamentals. Whenever you start, we're not just going to take you through a crazy workout. We're going to work you at your ability level. We're going to test you, see where you're at, like maybe a push-up test, a plank test, a test. We're going to assess your squat to see if your technique is good. Uh, and once all that is out of the way, then I take what we, I take the, the information from the assessments and then we write the programs based on your goals and based on the results. Because if you didn't do push-ups or you couldn't do any push-ups, then obviously we have to work you, we have to regress you. We have to take you a step back and then work you back up to push-ups. So that way you can do them again. Same thing with a squat. If I, if you come into me and your squat looks terrible, which most people squat is terrible, man. Um, and that's, 